It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. The big story for the last several days has been Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago. Nothing new with that, right? By the way, he's the ex-president. But there's always a five-alarm fire when it comes to the media and other people when it comes to Donald Trump. I don't quite get it. But here we are. And of course, you know, Kanye West and somebody named Nick Fuentes, who honestly I never heard of before, let alone saw what he looked like. Uh, we're at Mar-a-Lago. And met with President Trump for lunch, I think. Kanye West and President Trump go back a ways. Nick Fuentes, the president, said. He didn't know who the guy was. Never met him before. And Kanye West, who wanted to see President Trump, brought him and apparently a few other people with him. And President Trump put out a statement stating, and I paraphrase, that Kanye West is troubled and he wanted to talk to him, that he had treated him well, so he agreed to meet with him and spoke to him. Now, Kanye West is a reprobate. He is now, at least, an out-of-the-closet, Jew-hating, anti-Semite. And come to learn this, Nick Fuentes is the same, and a Holocaust denier and a white supremacist. I read, I think he was 20, he's 24 years old, a real punk. So how did he get into Mar-a-Lago? How did both of them get into Mar-a-Lago? I have not talked to President Trump, I have no idea. But I think it would help if they muscled up the people who review the list of those who will, in fact, go to Mar-a-Lago in order to screen out people like Nick Fuentes and Kanye West. Wasn't that long ago Kanye West was embraced by many of you and many in the media? He was embraced by liberals. And Democrats, the black community, he was embraced by conservatives and even appeared on Fox for a long couple of interviews. But that's not the only place. Hollywood and so forth and so on. It's clear that he's a sick bastard. And it's getting worse and worse, and worse. Should President Trump have met with him? I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Why meet with him? In fact, I feel President Trump should distance himself from him. Because here's what I do know. Nobody who actually knows Donald Trump 
who actually knows him, believes he's an anti-Semite or a white supremacist. Including those who have posted on social media. And some were right out of the box. They sent me copies of their tweets or copies of their statements. That's all good. I got it. I don't know if they expect me to repeat them or to retweet them. I don't do that stuff. Not in a situation like this. But this has gone on now for several days. And I think back to all the anti-Semites that are on TV today. The professors, the hosts. I think of all the anti-Semites in the Democrat Party today. What I talked about last week, there's Chris Christie at the Republican Jewish Coalition. And not once does he talk about the spreading of anti-Semitism. But he's immediately out of the box that Trump is not qualified to be president. They bring on Meghan McCain, who hates Trump, who says the same thing. But it's not just them. There are people who work for him who are friends of mine, who have condemned this. There are people who represent legitimate Jewish organizations, not the ADL and so forth who've put out very thoughtful statements. And I concur with some of them. I concur with some of them. That is, after Conway West revealed himself so thoroughly and persistently, to be an unconscionable, disgusting Jew hater. You cut him off. There's nothing to celebrate there. There's nothing to redeem. Fuentes, who I said I didn't know about, whose picture now I've seen, is a disgusting and sick little bastard. I don't know what kind of following he has. And so forth. So I can understand why people are concerned or they raise concerns about this. People who have a true heart. People who aren't trying to politicize this especially people who love President Trump or work for President Trump loyally and raise questions about how this would happen. But let me tell you a little secret. The reason it's not the end of the world is because Donald Trump has demonstrated That he's not anti-Jew, he's not anti-black, he's not anti-Hispanic. Quite the contrary. He has demonstrated through action that he is the most pro 
Jewish pro-Israel president in modern history, perhaps in history, period. And all you have to do is ask the Israelis, not the secularists in America, the Israelis. Even on our college campuses, he reached in, signing an executive order to try and protect Jewish students who are abused on our college campuses. More on that in a moment. And as for white racism, how and where? How and where? So people with truly heartfelt views who are not trying to exploit this for political reasons, their views I'm interested in. But that excludes a lot of people. including Joe Biden, including most of the Congressional Black Caucus, including most of the media, including the New York Times and the Washington Post, including MSNBC and Al Sharpton. When we come back, I'll explain exactly what I'm talking about. Now, for those aggregators out there who are basically parasites, who produce nothing, but internet methane. Make sure you don't quote me out of context, or I'm going to sue your ass, because I've had enough of you guys. I have more to say this entire hour. It'll be available at marklevinshow.com slash links. You don't need aggregators to interpret what I'm saying. I'm saying it on the air to millions of people. You notice Donald Trump did not praise Kanye West, and he didn't praise this guy Fuentes. You're saying, well, that's a low bar. Maybe so. But here's May 19, 2021. Ryan Severda, Daily Wire. Joe Biden praises Rashida Tlaib. President Joe Biden praised far-left Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who has a history of expressing anti-Semitism. Following a confrontation, the two had a tarmac on a tarmac about Israel. I admire your intellect. I admire your passion. I admire your concern for so many other people, he said. From my heart, I pray that your grandmom and family are well. I promise you I'll do everything to see that they are. Later in the day, Biden joked about running over a reporter with a truck after the reporter asked Biden if she could ask him a question about Israel, which apparently she couldn't. So this uh, occurred with Biden and Talib came after Palestinian terrorists fired well over 3,500 rockets at Israel, killing a dozen Israeli citizens and wounding hundreds more. Biden also greenlighted at that point $735 million sale of precision weapons to help Israel defend itself. But that said, Talib is a virulent anti-Semite. Omar is a virulent anti-Semite. When in the floor of the House of Representatives, there was an effort underway by Republicans to try and pass a resolution to condemn Omar for her anti-Semitic comments, not once, not twice, but constant. 
It was the Democrat leadership under Nancy Pelosi that watered it down, never mentioned her name, and the media thought it was perfectly fine. Palestinian government still pays terrorists as USA dollars flow. Adam Credo. Who are the anti-Semites, America? Palestinian government is still paying imprisoned terrorists stipends and inciting violence against Israel. In the free beacon, even as the Biden administration provides nearly half a billion dollars in American taxpayer funds. According to a non-public State Department report recently furnished to Congress. The law, the Taylor Force Act, was passed in 28, banned the State Department from allocating aid to the Palestinian government until it could certify payments to terrorists and incitements against Israel ceased. You know who uh, pushed that law and signed that law, Mr. Producer? Donald Trump. Biden bypasses it. Joe Biden's praise for segregation spans decades. You won't see this at Mediate, Drudge Report, any of these other places. By Ashton Pittman. Young Delawarean wowed the Southern crowd as he drew from Confederate mythos. This is early in his career, 42 years old. Even as the sun glistened upon his thinning hair one bright Mississippi day in DeKalb, Mississippi, Senator Biden stood out as the youngest of the senators speaking at the U.S. Senator John C. Stennis' birthday party. Stennis, a well-known segregationist. It was August 3, 1985. The 42-year-old Biden was a rising star. And with the 1988 presidential race coming up, some hoped he might help lead it out of the wilderness after Reagan. He wowed the Southern crowd as he drew from Confederate myths to pile praise upon Stennis, who was known for decades of resistance to civil rights. Biden compared him to Stonewall Jackson, a fabled Confederate military commander known for his tactical prowess. He said it was said of Stonewall Jackson, he's an avalanche from an unexpected quarter, a thunderbolt from a clear sky, and yet his character will make him a Stonewall more than any man I've ever known. Biden said, reciting a quote from a 1920 book attributes to the lecturer and Stonewall Jackson's aide, James Power Smith. And Mr. Chairman, Biden continued, when you stand on the floor of the Senate and you point a finger and you raise your voice, it's like a bolt from a clear sky. And when you speak, everyone listens. And all my colleagues have said here today, truly stands like a stone wall. He's a rock bed of integrity in the United States Congress. Even in the company of other segregationists, Biden did not mention Stennis' storied opposition to civil rights. And of course, they talk about Biden not just opposing racial integration, but one of the leaders working with these Democrats to stop it. And the racist language that he used in 1973, his reference to George Wallace as praising him and more and more and more on the true white supremacist racist who comments on a meeting a lunch that was held at Mar-a-Lago the sickening irony is beyond belief Mark Levin 
Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Like clockwork, a lame duck Congress, the Republicans led by Mitch McConnell in the Senate, which has been the case for 15 years now, whether it's Harry Reid or Schumer or Tom Daschle before Reid, it's always McConnell. Mitch McConnell is working with Schumer, according to Fox, on a year-long government funding deal. They're going to try and get it done in the lame-dung Congress, the lame-duck, probably lame-dung is better, Congress. And it would be an omnibus bill that is a massive, massive spending bill. Now, as is also typical, and this is one of the things Senator Ron Johnson has objected to and why he voted against McConnell for being the Republican leader. Schumer and McConnell and their staffs and a few of their colleagues are negotiating this. The vast majority of Republican senators have no idea what's going on, and those who voted for McConnell apparently don't care about what's going on. And, of course, the Wall Street Journal editorial page will come out in strong support that we have to keep the government open. Of course, nobody cared when they shut down the private sector. No, no, no. The government is more essential than you are. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, it should be obvious. But there's another reason. The House Republicans have yet to vote for their leaders. For their speaker. They've yet to do it because of five boneheads in the House of Representatives who are Republicans, who have no alternative candidate who can get anything close to a majority, nothing close to a majority, and who are playing right into the hands of Schumer and McConnell, right into the hands of Pelosi and the Democrats and Hakeem Jeffries, and right into the hands of the Republican moderates who at some point are not going to sit on their hands, or they're going to demand that they pick the speaker. Who are these five boneheads? 
who are going to allow McConnell and Schumer to work out the budget, who are preventing us from subpoenaing, subpoenaing the FBI and the Department of Justice, conducting investigations of the Biden crime family. We only have two years. Who are these Republicans? Who are they? Who claim to be such solid, stalwart conservatives? Who are they? How can they be so stupid? They have no conservative alternative. They have nothing. Who are they? Matt Gates. Oh, he's enjoyable to watch on TV. He's a very clever debater. Utterly useless. Andy Biggs, a phony conservative who has the Senate president in Arizona blocked the Convention of States vote in the Senate. Only until he ran for the Congress and won was the Senate in Arizona able to vote for it as well as the Assembly and did it pass. Bob Good in Virginia just got elected to a second term. His second term. Who is this moron? Ralph Norman in South Carolina. Never heard him. Don't know a damn thing about him. And Matt Rosendale, Montana, who I met, who was on this show when he was running the first time around, seemed like a solid conservative. Now he's part of the gang of five saboteurs. They know they have no plan B. They know they have no plan at all. The other conservatives in the Freedom Caucus and elsewhere, they have finally figured this out. But what's with these five knuckleheads? They're playing right into the hands of the Democrats, right into the hands of the establishment Republicans, right into the hands of the media. Meanwhile, there's McConnell. Off on the side, working out a deal with Schumer. Everybody's in the dark. And the Republicans in the House have no voice. They have no say. And these five have no plan. So they're sabotaging conservatives. They're sabotaging those of us who want to get the spending under control. They're sabotaging those of us who want to secure the border. They're sabotaging those of us who want to fully fund the United States military. Because of their antics. Because they want you to think they're more conservative than all the rest of us. I have no stomach for the Republican establishment. I've talked about this now for decades. But what we're talking about now is the absolutely critical timing of what's taking place. That we need to get to the bottom of what the FBI is doing. We need to get to the bottom of the Department of Justice. We need to finally get to the bottom of the Biden crime family. We can't do a damn thing. These committees can't even organize. We can't even choose chairman. We can't do a damn thing. Jim Jordan can't be the chairman of this House Judiciary Committee until this gets resolved. What are they waiting for? 
What are Gates and Biggs and Good and Norman and Rosendale waiting for? They can call the show. Any damn one of them. Or all of them together. They should. And defend themselves. And defend themselves. But these are the five. A gang of five saboteurs are making it impossible, impossible to get on with these investigations, to get on with fighting the spending and getting the, the debt under control, to making it impossible to deal with this cabinet secretary, Department of Homeland Security, making it utterly and completely impossible. We don't always get our way, ladies and gentlemen. I understand that. You understand that. But we have to be rational. You don't even have to be reasonable, but you have to be rational. Who is it that these five candidates believe can muster a majority of the Republican vote? I've asked this over and over again. They say Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is backing Kevin McCarthy, he wants to be chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He has no interest in running for the leadership position. Who's next? Who's next? There is no next. They have nobody. Well, what are we supposed to do, America? The tens of millions of us who say, finally, even though we have a small majority, we have a majority. Let's get down to business. What are we supposed to do? Sit on our hands and wait for Gates and Biggs and Good and Norman and Rosendale? Who mean nothing to any of us? This lame duck session is dangerous. Now, quickly, because I'm not spending all day on this. Ever hear the Taylor Force Act? This was an act of Congress that was signed into law by President Donald Trump on March 23, 2018. to stop American economic aid to the Palestinian Authority until the Palestinian Authority ceases paying stipends to the Palestinian Authority Martyrs Fund to individuals who commit acts of terrorism and to families of deceased terrorists. At the time, it cut more than $200 million in direct aid to the Palestinian Authority because they wouldn't swear off terrorism. That's the law. Donald Trump signed it into law. Joe Biden has defied the law. And half a billion dollars has now gone to the Palestinian Authority. It was named in honor of Taylor Force, a native of Lubbock, Texas. Graduated from the New Mexico Military Institute. Then he went to West Point in 2009. He served two tours of duty in both Afghanistan and Iraq. And after completing his service, Taylor entered the Owen Graduate School of Management at Vanderbilt University to study for an MBA. He was murdered in Israel in 2016 by a Palestinian terrorist. He was visiting Israel as part of a Vanderbilt University study group examining global entrepreneurship. He was killed on March 8, 2016 in a terrorist attack by a Palestinian from the West Bank, as they call it, a stabbing attack in Tel Aviv that injured 11 people. 
because the killer died while committing an act of terrorism. The killer's relatives are paid a monthly pension equal to several times the average monthly Palestinian wage, including from our tax dollars. The pension paid by the Palestinian Authority Martyrs Fund is part of Palestinian Authority policy. To pay a monthly cash stipends to the families of Palestinians killed, injured, or imprisoned for involvement in attacking, assisting in attacking, planning to attack Israel, or for other types of political-inspired violence, including riots, violent demonstrations, and throwing rocks. This law is being defied by the Biden administration and Joe Biden specifically. And Chris Christie hasn't said a thing. And Brian Kemp hasn't said a thing. Now I went back and looked at the votes on this and the sponsorships on this act. 2018 in the Senate. There were 22 Republican co-sponsors and 10 Democrat co-sponsors. Mitch McConnell was not a co-sponsor. Now, why does that matter? Why does it matter that the Republican leader in the Senate was not a co-sponsor? You know, we normally don't co-sponsor. Tell me. The Republican leader spoke out today about Donald Trump. What has the Republican leader in the Senate ever done to confront anti-Semitism in our colleges and universities? Anti-Semitism in the halls of Congress, particularly on the Democrat side? anti-Semitism in our cities? What has Mitch McConnell done? He's been in the Senate for soon. It'll be 40 years. 40 years. What has he done? What has he done? Has he gone to the floor of the Senate? Spent 20, 30 minutes talking about it? He's done nothing. But he made a proclamation today, cut 17, when he was asked by the press. Go. First, let me just say that there is no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism or white supremacy. And anyone meeting with people advocating that point of view, in my judgment, are highly unlikely to ever be elected president of the United States. But that's not true. Because Joe Biden was elected president of the United States, and you never said a damn thing about his racism and segregation, and you worked with him side by side. You never said a damn thing about Obama, Mr. Anti-Semite. Not a damn thing. You don't talk about the Congressional Black Caucus, several of whom's members have worked with Farrakhan. Not a damn thing. You haven't condemned MSNBC for hiring Al Sharpton. Not a damn thing. When Israel comes under attack by Hamas or Hezbollah or other terrorists, you say nothing. You said nothing over the past several months when they have been attacked. Nothing. This is what I talked about yesterday. There are those who believe in their hearts and who love President Trump and are concerned or upset. And then there are those who exploit this politically. 
and I have absolutely no stomach for them, Democrat or Republican, because after another week or two, they will move on, cutting their deals, funding the Palestinian terrorists. And I want to remind you, it was Mitch McConnell working with Bob Corker that made it possible for the Iran deal that Obama could sign and that would help get the Iranians nukes. Mark Levin. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. I want you to listen to what Ron DeSantis had to say at a press conference about Apple possibly getting rid of Twitter on the App Store. What is it that Elon Musk has done that is so horrific? What he's done, ladies and gentlemen, is similar to what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida. And whether people want to hear it or not, it's similar to what Donald Trump did as president. As the culture continues to decline, and as the ideological monopolistic tactics of the Marxist left take hold and are enshrined. Any pushback is to be met with all-out destruction. And so the goal now is to destroy Elon Musk, to destroy his businesses, to mob his advertisers, and to use the instrumentalities of government to investigate him, to investigate his company, and to threaten him. The same thing's been done to Donald Trump. The same thing will be done to Ron DeSantis. That's the way the Marxist left works. That's why, if you agree with me, you despise people. Like Romney like McConnell and others. We're more than happy to play at the 40-yard line and to embrace significant aspects of this agenda while pretending they don't. They're very pernicious individuals. And so Apple is threatening to destroy Twitter as it simultaneously gives aid and comfort to the communist Chinese government, which is trying to crush and, if necessary, kill, murder protesters, much like the Iranian Islamo-Nazi regime. And so what Apple has done, because it's been bought and paid for by the communist Chinese, is suspended airdrop, correct, Mr. Producer? So Important pieces of information like video and so forth can't be shared with and among citizens, correct? They were told to do it and they did it. This would be the same Apple that is relentless in its attack against Republicans. It's just incredible. You've heard nothing from the national basketball association you've heard nothing from LeBron James 
You've heard nothing from the National Football League. You've heard nothing from the Players Union, the Players Association of uh, any of the leagues. Nothing. And you've heard next to nothing from Joe Biden. And nothing from the Secretary of Defense, nothing from the Secretary of State, nothing from the National Security Advisor. Nothing. China has been murdering and torturing the Uyghurs. You've heard nothing from the Muslim Brotherhood. Really nothing from CARE. Certainly nothing sustained. Nothing. Zero. It would appear, ladies and gentlemen, that the communist Chinese and the culture that they've created or attempted to create has devoured our culture rather than the other way around. The intention of opening our markets and our systems to the communist Chinese was so that we would influence them. That's what the Bushes wanted to do. That's what they wanted to do. That's what they believed, and they failed spectacularly. Rather than devour their culture, they've been devouring ours. Some people recognize this. DeSantis, Tom Cotton, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Donald Trump, first and foremost. Not Mitch McConnell, because of his family's tie to that regime that Peter Schweitzer has written about often. And certain people get very angry when I talk about this on certain platforms. Nobody's going to silence me. Nobody. Ron DeSantis at a press conference today. Cut four. Go. And then as you've seen that go on in China, you know, there's reports that Apple is not allowing the protesters to use this airdrop function where they're trying to communicate. That obviously is providing aid and comfort to the CCP. And so you see that report, and that's very concerning. And then when you also hear reports that Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store because Elon Musk is actually opening it up for free speech and is restoring a lot of accounts that were uh, unfairly and illegitimately suspended for putting out accurate information about COVID. That's like one of the main things that's being reinstated. So many things these experts were wrong at, and you had people on Twitter that were calling that out. And Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula, and so he's uh, providing free speech. And so if Apple responds to that, uh, by nuking them from, from the App Store, 
You know, I think that that would be a huge, huge mistake, and it would be a really raw exercise of monopolistic power that I think would merit a response uh, from, from the United States Congress. And so uh, don't be a vassal of the CCP on one hand and then use your corporate power in the United States on the other to suffocate Americans and try to suppress their right to express themselves. And so I'm glad, I'm glad things are changing at Twitter. Hmm. Pretty damn important statement, don't you think, America? From America's governor. And that's what distinguishes him. On so many fronts, on so many substantive issues from the rest. That's what distinguishes him from the Hogan's and the Christie's. And the Asa Hutchison's and so forth. They're desperate to comment on Trump. That's the in thing. That's the Vogue thing. But there's DeSantis. He doesn't want to get involved in that crap. He's saying, wait a minute. We have this company. It's the biggest company in America, that or Amazon, but they go back and forth. And it's trying to use its monopolistic power to shut down free speech in two countries. In the United States, by threatening to choke off Twitter from its app store. Because they know you have your little iPhones and they control you and blocking airdrop communications at the direction of the communist Chinese government so that the citizens of China can't communicate with each other about their lives their families, their freedom cut five Governor DeSantis, go Uh, I just want to make a comment about what we've been seeing going on in China Uh, this zero COVID policy uh, is draconian Uh, It violates people's liberties, and it is completely unscientific. And the people of China are right to be able to speak out and protest against what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. This CCP has a maniacal desire to exert total control over its population. Zero COVID is really just the pretext for them to do what they want to do anyways. And that is not a model uh, that can work over the long term. The people in China are finally speaking out uh, against it. And and I just think we need these draconian uh, COVID policies to go to the ash heap of history where they belong. Absolutely, crucially stated and compelling. He just said more in two minutes, as the governor of Florida, than Joe Biden has said at all about the situation in China. In fact, Joe Biden and his party, they have a completely different position. Joe Biden and their corporatists at Apple and elsewhere have a completely different position. As expressed, albeit inarticulately, by Mark Warner of Virginia, Senator, on CNN today. Cut six, go. Do you, though, believe there is something, uh, particularly as China is now cracking down on those protesters, 
something more that the U.S. could or should do to support the Chinese people when they express themselves this way? Well, I think there are things that those of us leaders in the Senate and the House have a little more flexibility, frankly, than the administration. Mm-hmm. You know, this uh, the administration, particularly after the most recent meeting between Xi and Biden, um, to try to have lower some of the tensions. This is a we don't want a um, an active conflict to erupt. Um, I think those of us in the Congress have a little more freedom, and I think we can push the administration. But as you said, we don't want to feed the propaganda machinery that turns these protests driven by Chinese people into what the overall message would be to the Chinese people. You know, thank God the French didn't think that during the Revolutionary War when they helped us defeat the British at the Battle of Yorktown. Or through every major war we've been in. This is how Democrats think. This is how isolationists think. This is how some people in the media think. It's never what's the right thing to do, what's the moral thing to do, what's the strategic thing to do. It's America will trip the tripwire. America. And so while the Chinese are rounding up Uyghurs, while the Chinese are killing people and selling their organs, while the Chinese are forcing abortions, raping people, while the Chinese have devoured Hong Kong and seek to devour Taiwan, while the Chinese are in our hemisphere, while the Chinese have ports now off of Africa, while the Chinese are, are, believe it or not, in the Solomon Islands, where some of your Fathers and grandfathers and others in your family fought during World War II, like mine. Well, the Chinese have militarized these phony islands, that South China Sea, and threatened Japan, and threatened Australia, and threatened the Philippines, and even threatened Vietnam. Well, the Chinese are building for war. We don't want to upset them, ladies and gentlemen. That's the position of Joe Biden, Mark Warner, and the Democrat Party. And yet you just heard a great American leader, Ron DeSantis, say what he said. And this is why the apples of the world and the professional sports and the media outlets and so much of the American corporate world and investment dollars are poured into China, this is why they will go to war with DeSantis. As they went to war with Trump. They already compare the two. And it's funny. I saw one comparison of the two, and they said, DeSantis is Trump without the personality. So as bad as Trump is to this particular outlet, I think it was the New York Times, DeSantis is even worse. That's why in this audience there's so few suckers. We understand what's going on. By the way, in the next hour we're going to have our buddy Mike Lee on the program because you really do have to wonder why we even care who controls the United States Senate. The House is a different issue. They voted for what they call 
the Respect of Marriage Act, I believe it's called, which is another phony name, and the grave concern by those who voted against it was that there's a reason why the Democrats and Susan Collins and others pushed for this. It has nothing to do with actual marriage, gay or otherwise, and everything to do with preventing free speech for people who only support men marrying women and women marrying men, people who refuse on religious grounds to bake cakes for certain kinds of weddings and so forth, that this will be used by activist judges at the state and federal level, and we've seen it a thousand times, to silence all religious viewpoints. And Mark Warner and Romney and Portman and a lot of other Republican frauds have promised that, no, 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 we passed an amendment to change that. Their amendment has no teeth. And the Republicans who voted to get rid of the filibuster, to break the filibuster rule, so in effect voted for this. Roy Blunt, who's retiring. Richard Burr, who's retiring. There's Capito in West Virginia, who's a disaster. Collins in Maine, a disaster. Loomis in Wyoming, really problematic. Portman in Ohio, who's retiring. Romney, who's a moron. Sullivan in Alaska. Tillis in North Carolina. Ernst in Iowa. Young just reelected in Indiana. And of course, Murkowski of Alaska. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. You know, I wasn't even going to discuss this, but I think I will now. The railroad and the workers for the railroads. And um, there are 12 unions, as I understand it. Four of them have refused to uh, join in in the agreement that the other eight support. So you actually have to get 12 unions to agree in order to avert a strike. Mr. Amtrak, Joe Biden, uh, failed. In September, he lied to the American people, as he often does. He lied to the American people, and he said that basically it was averted. But it wasn't averted. Um... And just the way he lied to the American people to try and put things off till after the election with the Saudis. But those, of course, are not impeachable offenses. Um, It's only an impeachable offense when it involves Trump and Ukraine and they spin and twist a phone call that he had. Now, here's what amazes me today. If we had a business that had the capacity to literally shut down the American economy, bring it to its knees. People would want to break it up. Republicans and Democrats, independents, all kinds of people. No business should have that kind of power over the country. And yet when it comes to unions, apparently that's okay. I haven't heard a single criticism of these four unions, not the other eight, these four unions from any Republican. I haven't heard a single criticism. In fact, they're all acting like they're Walter Ruther now. 
because, you know, we're all populists now. Ten years ago, we were all socialists. Now we're all populists. Well, I'm not a populist and I'm not a socialist. I'm a constitutional conservative who believes in capitalism. Well, Mark, don't the unions have the right to strike? Okay. Do the businesses have the right to fire them? No. Well, that doesn't seem very fair. Does it to you, Mr. Producer? It seems to be a one-way street, but that's not even my point either. My point goes beyond that. Four unions out of the 12 know that they can hold a gun to the head of the American economy. Is that a good thing? Is that a smart thing? No, I don't think so. So why are, among others, Republicans bending over backwards to defend it? Well, they want seven days off paid sick leave. They want the Okay, they can want whatever they want. They can get whatever they can get. Got no problem with that. But why are Republicans who are elected to the Senate and the House, and not all, some, taking up the cudgel for these four unions? Is that what populism is? Now, no organization be able, should be able to hold a gun to the head of the, of the American people. None. None. I'm certainly sympathetic to all Americans. But I don't play this game. You know, here's the interesting thing. There was a guy by the name of Hazlitt, and he wrote a fantastic book, in plain English, very short, very simple, about the economy. And one of the things he says in this book is, when you're dealing with special interest groups or interest groups, the interest of those groups is very focused, gets a lot of attention. But when you're dealing with, quote-unquote, the public good or the economy generally or things of that sort, it gets no attention because there's nobody there to speak about it or to speak for it. You've got the special interests or the group, a business, a union, and so forth. It's like unborn babies. There's nobody there except those of us who speak for them, but they can't speak for themselves. And so people, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to take care of the interests of this group, and we got to take care of that group, and we got to meet those. There's no self control even among Republicans anymore. Just throw on some labels working class, middle class. Just throw those labels around, those Marxist labels, and then there you are. We're American citizens, that's who we are. We're not in a class, this isn't communist China. We're individuals. And so, I guess, count me among the few who says that if a union has the power to shut down a school system, to shut down an economy, then just as a business that has that kind of power should be broken up, so should a union. What do you think of that? populists, socialists. What do you think of that? 
And this isn't because I oppose unions or oppose union workers. That's clearly not the case. It has nothing to do with it. I'm talking about, as a general matter, if an organization can shut down the economy, that's what everybody's saying, then that organization is way too powerful. It's like Apple. It's like Apple. Apple is setting our foreign policy now. Now, how are they doing that? Apple is setting our foreign policy by agreeing to the demands by the communist regime in China, which is our enemy, which is building nukes and other things to confront us and defeat us. Apple was told by Xi and his murderous genocidal thugs that they are to prevent airdrop from being used on their iPhones there so that the citizenry that is trying to communicate one with the other because these uprisings are in every major and even middle-sized city in China and they're being brutalized, these people now, they don't want people communicating with each other. And Apple agreed. Apple agreed. Now, Apple is led by a liberal, a Democrat, Many of the people who work there are solid patriots, but many are not. Many are more than happy to sell out the United States to communist China, and many of them are. I'm sure Trump haters, while they're silent about Xi and what's going on overseas, it's your typical Silicon Valley company, very left-wing. Like the NBA, like Nike, like 150 other companies, maybe 1,000 other companies. Very harsh on Republicans. But very passive when it comes to their bucks and when it comes to communist China. And so Apple is sending foreign policy with China. Wouldn't it be great if the protesters were successful in some meaningful and essential way? I think the people of Taiwan and Hong Kong would agree. And there may be millions and millions of people who agree, not just the Uyghurs who are, who are being slaughtered, tortured, raped. Apple's on the wrong side of history. Just as the New York Times was on the wrong side of history when it came to the Third Reich and the Holocaust. When it came to the Ukrainians and Stalin. When it came to the people of Cuba and Castro. These corporations. Some of them are quite diabolical and unconscionable. Apple's one of them. And yet the administration says nothing about Apple. Doesn't say it wants to keep an eye on Apple. Which, depending on, on the day, either Apple or Amazon, the wealthiest company in the world. No. They want to keep an eye on Twitter. Now, they didn't want to keep an eye on Twitter six months ago. They want to keep an eye on Twitter now. Why? Because Elon Musk owns it. And what's he doing? He's stirring the pot. He's shaking it up. He's cleaning it out. He's trying to fix it up. He believes in free speech. And he's going to look at their records and maybe release them. And how they, quote-unquote, colluded with the Democrats and the Biden administration in order to help the Democrats win elections and to push the propaganda that the government was putting out in order to silence you and competing viewpoints. 
So now the government's going to, quote-unquote, keep an eye on him. And they say it openly. They're almost celebrating it. And the Democrats in Congress say now they want to break up Twitter. They didn't want to break up Twitter before. They don't talk about Facebook, which spent $417 million in 2020 electing Democrats. No, they don't talk about them. They don't talk about Apple giving aid and comfort to the enemy, do they? No. No, they don't. Pretty interesting. You know, the thinking was to bring China in, WTO, open our economy to China, and we would influence their, their culture and their economy. The biggest push for this came under the, uh, under the Bush empire. You might remember George H.W. Bush had been ambassador to China at one point. Uh, one of his sons, I think it's Neil, I think that's his name, uh, has done pretty well working with the communist Chinese over the years. Mitch McConnell, his family has done extremely well working with the communist Chinese party over the years. As Peter Schweitzer has, has detailed, exquisite detail, with freight shipping and so forth. Diane Feinstein's family did very well. Swalwell, well, he had a girlfriend out of the deal, and I could go on and on and on. But the biggest problem is Biden. The Biden crime family made tens of millions of dollars from the Communist Chinese Party, which is exactly why the FBI, the DOJ, the U.S. Attorney's offices, the media, and the Democrat Party are doing everything humanly possible to protect him and keep him in a cocoon and attack Republicans for wanting to investigate. Imagine that. Democrats investigate for five years, and the Republicans aren't even in yet. Oh, they want to investigate. What about inflation? Yeah, we're not buying that. No, we're not buying that. And what about the media? and the communist Chinese. Well, I want to talk about that in the next segment because the New York Times, as I briefly commented on, has a habit of being on the wrong side of history. In fact, worse, it has a habit of helping to prop up the most genocidal, genocidal, bloodthirsty, horrific regimes to ever ever exist on the face of the planet. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. I wasn't going to start with this, but there's quote-unquote breaking news that the appeals court panel uh, has ruled that the special master who was appointed by the district court judge in South Florida is to stop his work and that the special master is no longer to participate in the process. Now, let me tell you what's going on here. I want you to listen to this. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. I'm just the messenger here. But this administration is moving headlong into uncharted territory and it is committed I believe to indicting Donald Trump on the most specious of grounds on areas of the law 
which are preposterous. That's why they brought Stephen Miller in to the grand jury. That's why they've brought White House counsel that worked for Trump into the grand jury. That's why they're bringing other people into the grand jury. He's their target. They have two ongoing federal grand juries in Washington, both aimed at Trump. You've got grand jurors from the Washington, D.C. population. That's where they pull them from. And eventually you would have a trial jury from the Washington, D.C. population. And so all these cases that they're bringing and they're testing out different legal theories against Proud Boys or Oath Keepers or this guy or that gal or whatever, this is all lead up to Trump. They're testing what the district court judges in Washington, D.C. will do, how far they'll go, and they're willing to go very far. This is the same Department of Justice, of course, that, that asked a court in New York to go soft on a lawyer threw a Molotov cocktail into a police vehicle, not knowing whether there were police there or not, and talking about burning the place down. She gets 15 months. The head of the Proud Boys effort there on the Capitol Hill, uh, they're hoping they can put him away for 20 years. And so this isn't about politics to me. This isn't about these never-Trumpers over at National Review and Wall Street Journal and other places. This is about justice and a rogue Department of Justice. Joe Biden has not hidden his feelings. He wants Donald Trump charged, and he wants Donald Trump sent to prison. The entire Democrat Party has and does. So do the media. So do the never-Trumpers. But you don't, you don't use instrumentalities of law enforcement this way. And what's amazing to me is, truly amazing to me, is that it was Donald Trump who was the victim of the FBI, the Department of Justice, the White House under Obama and Biden, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the Democrats, certain law firms in Washington, and the media. He was the one victimized by them. Really quite remarkable. Not a single one of those people involved is going to prison. Hillary Clinton with the documents. She was never charged. There was no special counsel investigating Hillary Clinton with her emails. They just dropped it. And that was that. I'm deeply concerned by this. When you have guys like Chris Christie or Asa Hutchison or others who are piling on on issues in ways that they don't on other issues, they want Donald Trump charged. Because what's happening is the Department of Justice and their special counsel, they're looking at the media and they're making a gamble that even Republicans won't come to Donald Trump's defense if he's indicted. Because they'll be so disgusted with him by then. It's not a matter of being disgusted or angry or happy or supporting or opposing. Just strip the bark off of this and look at it. 
Donald Trump has documents, or did at Mar-a-Lago. Okay. So the dispute is whether or not they were his, or his to take. And so now we're dancing on the head of a pin. At best for the government. They asked him for the documents over and over again. They asked him if he had all the documents over and over again. He wasn't responsive. So there. So you're going to indict a former president? Really? January 6th. You have this committee in Congress. And I'm not going to bore you and keep going after it. Uh, and explaining why it is so such a grotesque miscarriage of legislative purpose. That's going to put out a report the way the Stasi would put out a report, the way you would go after any political enemy, the way you would go after Dreyfus. And that's what they're going to do. If there is tr- evidence today that Donald Trump called for the insurrection of, the, of our government... We'd know it already. You wouldn't need years of investigations and a thousand witnesses and endless subpoenas. You'd know it. So they're going to put together a circumstantial case, a dishonest case. But they know they control the jury. They know they control the outcome. If you're a Republican facing a grand jury charge in Washington, D.C., are facing a jury, a court, in Washington, D.C., you don't have a chance. You have no chance. If Washington, D.C. was a 93% Republican city, and a Barack Obama, or Joe Biden, or Hillary Clinton had been brought up on charges on these novel ideas like we're hearing now, you know you'd never hear the end of it. You would never hear the end of it. You're going to have to brace yourselves for this. It's disgusting. And there will be pushback. Political, legal, governmental. This is why I'm so frustrated with these five boneheads in the House of Representatives. The Republicans need to get their act together. The Judiciary Committee needs to hold hearings as soon as January 3rd comes and goes with its chairman, Jim Jordan. And they need to be focused like a laser on what they need to deal with. And number one out of the box is not Hunter Biden. Number one out of the box has to be the FBI. Because the FBI now is an institutionalized danger to all of us. To all of us, and to any Republican nominee, whether it's DeSantis or somebody else, or Ted Cruz. I'm going to give you an example. Jen Psaki is all over MSNBC, all over TV. She did her time, and now she's a grifter, 100%. And she's on with the morning schmo, who is a complete unprincipled fraud both in his personal life and his governmental life that's right if everything's on the table and everything's on the table 
I want you to listen to her this morning on this show. Hat tip, mediaite. Cut seven, go. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you have on one hand, you have the Republican Party on every level, the battle for the RNC chair, whatever Kevin McCarthy's strategy is, which I don't think it's three-dimensional chess. I think he doesn't know, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and and Marjorie Taylor Greene's participation in policy committees. There's an identity crisis playing out here. Who are they for? What are they for? What are they fighting for? And then on the other hand, to David's point, you have Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice, and I think he deserves, and they deserve some credit here. And I was speaking with a Department of Justice official a couple of weeks ago who described Merrick Garland as a quiet storm, somebody yeah. who builds. That is what he is doing. They went big with Stuart Rhodes. There are more seditionists. They are going to continue to uh, prosecute. He's obviously has Jack Smith in charge, who is a guy who is prosecuting war criminals. This is a complete badass guy who's doing this. And they are doing serious work here. Well, there's an identity crisis going and on on the other side. Work- See that? She's bragging about it. Her sources at the Department of Justice. Stuart Rhodes. They dusted off a statute that hasn't been used since post-Civil War and Civil War against Confederates who are at war, obviously, with the country, with the Union. That's what they used to prosecute this guy. Can you believe that? That's what they used to prosecute this guy on sedition. And imagine that. They got him and the lawyer for this group convicted with a Washington, D.C. jury. And what she's saying is what I was just saying. They're testing these statutes. They're testing the judges. They're testing what they can get away with in the Department of Justice. And they know they can get away with a lot. Then you have these judges today, these appellate judges, led by Bill Pryor, circuit court judge, whose mentor was Jeff Sessions in Alabama, a man I've known well over the years, but not lately. He's also very close to J. Michael Ludig. J. Michael Ludig. And one of the things he said at oral argument when the Department of Justice and Trump's lawyers were in that courtroom was, we wouldn't be having a spe- we wouldn't be having a special master. His accent. If if he were a regular citizen here, we're talking about a former former president. Yeah, exactly. And that fifteen watt light bulb should have gone off at that point. And said, wait, wait a minute. We are talking about a former president. We should make sure this is meticulously done. And a special master in this case makes a lot of sense. But no. No. A lot of these prim and proper, your honors, conservative or otherwise, here's the dirty little secret. They don't like Trump either. They don't like him. They come out of the McConnell wing of the Republican Party. They don't like him either. He's just... They don't talk that way at the Federalist Society, you know. We don't do things that way. Well, maybe if Bill Pryor faced the kind of onslaught that Trump did, maybe he wouldn't think that way. And Bill Pryor did over time. 
when he was nominated. Which is why he really could never get on the Supreme Court. But you just heard Pisaki. These people don't care about the country. They don't care about the rule of law. They don't care about any of these things. You're Attorney General of the United States. You're sitting there and you have people coming to you who are highly political in these positions. Your Deputy Attorney General, the head of the Civil Rights Division, they're coming to you and saying, hey, we have it on good authority from the National Archives that Trump, that Trump took documents he shouldn't take. Okay, well, time to give them back. Okay, he only gave some back. Well, time to give the other ones back to Well, he really won't give the other ones back. All right, let's send the FBI in. Would you do that? Would you do that, Mr. Producer? And on this January 6th stuff, you bring in a staff. Now they want to talk to the Vice President of the United States, Pence, in front of the federal grand jury. And what they'll put out is some kind of a PR statement in the form of an indictment at some point, I'm guessing. 